Hey, people, welcome to The Conversation. It's outspoken and opinionated, of course. I am your host, Edwin Meyer. Um, for those who aren't following us, we're asking you to go. Of course, we have um, our podcast, our past podcast. I'm series of men downloaded Spotify. So we're asking you guys to go ahead and download Spotify. We also are, again, of course, on Instagram. We are on Facebook, The Conversation Has Spoken Opinionated, on YouTube, The Conversation Has Spoken Opinionated, and all that great stuff. We're trying to just hook up on this whole social media thing. But like you guys have seen, um, we this month basically have looked at different conversations that I um, were considered to be dear to my heart. I think um, I wanted to showcase other sides of my life that I think people who or just starting to know me had no um, knowledge of. And so that's what I started with certain things. And today I'm having a, I think it's gonna be a great conversation. I'm gonna be speaking with Miss Tasha. Tasha has it on podcast. Um, Confession of a Christian Girl. Um, if you aren't following her, we're asking you to go. It's She's on Instagram, Confession for Christian Girl. I believe it's on Facebook as well. She do have a podcast. Um, you can go and search for her on YouTube or anywhere there is podcasting. You will be able to find her and listen to her. Um, knowledge is great. We're going to just have a conversation on our experiences as kids. This is what I tell you guys. We were kids living it up in church. I don't know about y'all, but it was the bomb. We were living it up in church, okay? We were kids. We had a great time. Um, what we knew as a great time is what we did. And so I'm going to bring Tasha in, and we're just going to start the conversation. So buckle up. It's going to be a little bumpy ride, but we're going to try to get it out because we're just going to do what we can do, and we're going to talk about what we know. And so that's what it's going to be. So, hey, Tasha, welcome. Can't hear you. Welcome. Can you hear me now? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm going to say welcome to the conversation. It is outspoken and it is opinionated. And I think that is your lane. So I know this is going to be just amazing. But welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. This is great. Um, We basically, what we try to do when you get in here, just ask you, how are you doing? Like COVID and everything else that has happened in this world. What's going on with you? Well, I'm going to say this. Um, I'm learning to be a little bit more sensitive when I answer that question because I consider myself to be like an outgoing introvert. So I had no problem being locked down. I had no issues. Okay. Before that, I had like, I was done with meat. I was like, you know, I was like nine months, like no chicken, no meat, no nothing. COVID, I rediscovered chicken wings and lamb and it's been a wrap. But uh, of course, obviously it it was somewhat of a traumatic experience, depending on what your perspective and what personally what was going on with you, but I felt as though that uh, COVID really gave birth to a lot of things. And one of those things are, was definitely my podcast. Um, it was something that I was afraid to do. Um, I had no issue hiding behind a blog. I had no issue hiding behind a voiceover. I had no issue with sharing my thoughts, but actually sitting down, having conversations, it was a little bit scary, but I was in a place where I was like, I'm ready to do what scares me. Um, and I gave birth to Confessions of a Christian Girl. The first season was called Kingdom Collaborations. Um, the second season, was called surviving just having just a recollection of like different women and their stories and their experiences everything from losing a child to cancer to divorce to you know grief just so many different topics so we just wrapped that up and you know the world is somewhat normal again i think you know uh, yeah i, I think <laughs> i don't know but 
normal uh, is going to be our new normal. I think new normal. Right. Yeah, right. that's what I've noticed. I think it's going to be our new normal. I think um, it's weird because I think there are people who still don't realize that they're supposed to still wear a mask when they're outside. <laughs> and so, like, I'm looking at this lady, and the police officer is literally hugging his hugging at her because she's walking without no mask on. And I just broke that. Well, well, I'll say this: I just saw an article yesterday saying that some states are getting ready to ban masks because we're not supposed to be wearing masks in the first place. I'm like, oh, okay, right, All right, here we go. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go to jail for that. I ain't messing. <laughs> I'm wearing my mask. Okay, there's, there's some germs. I this gonna save a lot of us. Some people who got bad breath and stuff. And all that stuff. Yeah, I'm just saving us. But hey, um, COVID happened. You came up with this great podcast. What was the, what really, really sparked you to start that part, to start this podcast, Confession of a Christian Girl? Just the name. I like the name, Confession of a Christian Girl. Yeah. Well, I had Confessions of a Christian Girl. I started out as a blog and a vlog in 2013. So this wasn't oh. new. It was okay. just a different face to it. And I had been on and off. Um, I felt like I was coming out of a, not I felt like I was coming out of a season where I was trying to find my voice again, uh -huh. um, to get used to the sound of my own voice. And like I said, it was so easy for me to hide behind posts and other things, but to really sit down and do something like this without like feeling like I needed to like pass out before I did it was something that was really challenging for me. But with everything that was happening in lockdown, you know, it, it just lockdown made everybody reevaluate life period in general. So for me, I was just like, what are the opportunities? What are the things in front of me that I have not taken full advantage of in my life that I, I, I have the ability to do it, but I just, you know, haven't done it. So I saw, and you know, everybody and their mama was doing, you know, live streams and Zooms and classes. And uh -huh. it was uh, Kamar A. Unique and um, Apostle Ryan Lestrange. They, uh, Apostle Ryan Lestrange, he has a, like a, a live, Facebook live YouTube show. And it's called, I think it's called Coffee and Profits or something like that. I love Kamar A. Unique. She's a phenomenal makeup artist. She has worked with some of the best in the industry. But just mm -hmm. to talk about, um, even though she is so amazing in her field, how she's being able to merge her spirituality, being a believer and not being ashamed and, you know, still getting up and doing Essence and BET and all of that. And for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, Ah, this is somebody where like it speaks to me like for the longest time I felt like I had to keep you know the separate compartments of myself apart from one another but it was really refreshing to see somebody who was like listen this is who I am you're gonna get all of it take it or leave it and it really encouraged me and something she said specifically like I took a screenshot of it I wrote it down she specifically say just do it are you ready to do um what scares you and I had literally like said that out loud like I'm ready to do what scares me so for her mm -hmm. to say that for them to be having that conversation I was like okay all right I think you know sometimes we as believers we look for we're looking for like these big giant signs but sometimes it's just these little small voices and it's like those multiple well, do you want to do this yeses that we give to god that helps us get on our route to destiny so that's literally how the podcast you know came to and be and i like how you say that because i know for me i was just sitting i've always had an idea i think everybody i will host events and people be like oh my god you need to be on somebody's tv oh my yes. god you, you need to do a podcast like everybody would tell myself well first of all i don't even like my voice what are you talking about really so all these things people have said to me and then this day i'm sitting there watching something and I forgot the guy's name, but anyway, he was starting to do a podcast, but it was a run. They were running the podcast and they did a little clip on CNN. That's my favorite channel, CNN. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so they do a clip mm -hmm. and it literally tells me exactly what I want to do. Because for him, what's like, he was always so that he talked too much. He always had an opinion. 
all that stuff. And then he's like, now he's found his niche where he can really have a conversation and it can be, it's like, I can do what I want to do with this. And I was like, that's what I need to be doing. And so when I, and that's one thing about me, when I say I'm doing something, I go straight in. So when I say I took off, I took off. Yeah. And I remember everybody that I called to tell them about this, like, sure, great, you would be good at it. Sure, great, you would be good at it. And so it just happened. And it's been good. I think the opportunity to have conversations, that was for me, conversation that people really don't talk about. Um, the opportunity to hear the voices of my Black sisters, because people have noticed that most of the people I have on the show are Black women. And I say yes, because I think uh, my sister's voices were not being heard. I think women are suppressed in a lot of ways. And I think the opportunity for them to share what's on their heart and share what's on their minds are important. And so for me, this was something, my lip part in playing to uplift women. And so that's why I did this. And this is why I want us to have this conversation today. Okay. Because I feel it's like, for us, I would like to tell the people, so I've been knowing Tasha, I'm going to make her look a little small, but I've been knowing her since she was like, we high. And I'm like, I that anyway, so <laughs> I don't even know. But I've been knowing Tasha for a very long time. We, um, I said it earlier, we ran in the same circle, if I put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in the same group. We did, we spent most of our summers together, if you remember in summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college and you were in high school, we spent most of our summers together. So I think we had a life in a lo- in our little bubble mm-hmm. and then i would just put and then the bubble burst mm-hmm. and you have an opportunity to leave the four walls and experience life mm-hmm. all by itself mm-hmm. and so i want to start this conversation as you living god for me i'll put it as a shelter environment i don't care what people say but i think is that we were sheltered from certain things and people i'm talking about the church we were sheltered from life in itself we were great at preaching at singing at worshiping god is doing all these things but the real intricates of life there was some little issue there and how were your transition leaving from that shelter environment going to another shelter environment yeah Um, You know, when I have this conversation, I have to remember this um, because I've been living my life and I see things from my perspective. I realize that from other people's point of view, I'm going to give this example. I was like Judy on Family Matters. Like Judy went up the steps like one season and never came back down. It was like, what happened to Judy? You know, it's kind of like that. So I have to like, like remember like, oh yeah, like that's what it looks like from the outside. Um, I think a couple different things. Um, I agree with some of the things that you just said in terms of like being in a sheltered type of community um, and definitely transitioning to another one. I think the most difficult part for me, I did not realize how naive I was. I found out quickly that that terminology of Christian, people got multiple definitions of what that is and what that looks like. And for me, it was just, I, we always, I had that mindset. I won't speak for everybody, but it was like, either we're going to do this or we not. We're going to serve God or we not. We're going all the way. What we doing? And you were serving God, you're a heathen. Yeah, right. Basically. Honestly, you know, we were, we were all the way because, you know, 
we had lots of encounters. You know what I mean? Even though we were young, we had like these experiences where it's like, you can't fake that. You can't manufacture. Like it was having an encounter with God. And those are the type of things that changed you. But I realized um, transitioning to other, like, you know, you're saying other environments that I was, I was a little bit naive and I felt as though I was kind of even a late bloomer when it came to certain things, because I had the mindset of, if you live for God, everything will work out perfectly. Uh -huh. That was my mindset. I, I had the same thing too. So when I found out that it did, I was like, I'm like, God, you are I'll be honest, it rocked my core. It rocked yeah. my foundation because I was not, I wasn't prepped. I can't say if that was the, the the church's job or responsibility or if that was a parenting thing, but I just I own that for me. I don't care whose responsibility it was, because at a certain place you can you can't keep putting it on the church. You can't keep putting on your parents. Like, go get therapy, go get some help and figure it out. You know, and I, I got to that point where I can't blame nobody. For a long time, I was really upset because I just didn't understand the realities of life. I didn't understand, um, you know, mess happens. People love messy things happen. You're going to fall out with folk you thought you were going to be friends with forever, like in church. I, I didn't know how to handle conflict. I didn't understand disagreement. Um, I became very passive because you know, and I think you have a similar experience is when I had something to say, I had something to say. And it typically came out pretty strong mm -hmm. because it took me a while to figure out the balance of, OK, let's let's figure out how to put this and how to present it. Because sometimes when you're just keeping things in all the time, it just, you know, comes out. Sometimes it doesn't come out the best way. And you, it's, it, you may not mean for it to be wrong, but sometimes it does. And so growing up in an environment where asking questions or you know, um, maybe having a difference of opinion can sometimes come off and you'd be labeled as disrespectful or rebellious. Mm -hmm. I noticed that in my early 20s and transitioning to adulthood, I was very passive, which was like not me at all. Um, but I didn't want to be labeled as that. I didn't want people to think that, oh, you know, X, Y and Z. And so I kind of morphed into somebody. I, I was, Now I'm like, who, who that girl? Who is that? Um, but it was simply because, you know, your, your background and what you're transitioning into. And like I said, it took me a, a while to, to figure some things out. But just in a nutshell, I think that would give you a good idea of like what was going on, that transition piece and what that looked like. Yeah. And so when you talk about transition and you talk about, you know, I think um, I like I will put myself out there. I think you are in an environment where everybody or everybody are supposed to be a certain way. Everybody act a certain way. Everybody portrayed to be, like I said, we were we were young, we were living for God, we were doing the things that we were told that was the right things to do when you're living for God. And so everything else was to fall in line. And then when you go out in spaces and you realize that um, life really don't amount like that. You are going to get disappointments. You are going to get all these things, but you are not prepped. And I know you say you don't want to blame nobody, but I think it's like, when you are in a shelter, it's like when you're in a shelter environment and a community and everything you experience is, you know, it's great and everything. When you leave there, you can't even understand that, oh, why? How does these things happen to people who love God? Yeah. You're paying your tithe. You are worshiping God. You are doing everything you're supposed to do. So why are these negative things happening to you? And if you can just, you don't have to be in details, but just what was your emotional state the first time you realized that, oops, I'm just going to say it, the church robbed me. <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated because I think there were, here's, I'm going to say this, it, there wasn't one thing. It was a collective of many things. See, there's sometimes when it's one or two things, you can kind of explain it away. Yeah. It's a collective of things. It's like, give me a second. 
and I couldn't. Somebody said something to me. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase the best way I can. They were like, you like to believe the best of people, even to your own detriment. It was such a powerful statement, but it was also a clue. Mm-hmm. And I missed it at the time. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Now I get an idea of what they were. When it's a one-off, you can kind of explain it away. But I couldn't grasp that that was reality. It was hard for me to let that go. No, it's still going to work together for me because I gave God my youth and I wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. And I've never been to the club and I never drank. Like I'm doing all like a list of all the things of why life should be X, Y, and Z um, until it just... You just get to a place where it's kind of like you got to accept reality. And it's just like, God, I need you to help me with this because I noticed that it was pulling on my inner moral code. And that was an issue. Like that was a big issue for me because typically when that happens, people go to like extreme, you know, Yeah. and I didn't want to do that because I was like, I, I know that there's nothing for me on the other side. Like I know it, but I'm like, God, how is it that I can live for you? be happy as a believer. Like I really asked God consistently and he did it little, little by little day by day to please restore the joy of your salvation. Cause the Bible said, cause when you read the Bible, it's not my salvation. It says your, so I'm just like, God, I need you to restore that because it's looking like it's looking a little, I don't know right now. Well, you know, I want to say this because you said something and it just clicked in my head. And this is what I was talking to Pastor Peabody in Rome. I said, maybe, you know, God just be talking to me all kinds of way. But I think, you know, when we were, I think being sheltered, I would go back again to that shelter environment. I think we had a different expect. I think you have a different expectation of who God is until when you get into the real world and real problems start to happen. Your expectations shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I feel it's that when everybody's around you and everybody's supporting you and giving everything you need and all you know is happy, love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost and everything is great, the <laughs> expectation of God is just, ah, God is good, he's lovely, you sing those great songs, you get the goosebumps, you know, and then you hit the real world and it's like, oh, you ain't got no job or you got to pay your rent and your car note is due. People are like, ah! <laughs> and you still have to tithe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so I don't want to like, why was your expect, did your expectation shift with God? It shifted, but it shifted with the new, with a, an adjustment to my belief system. And okay. let me be very clear, because I'm about to say is really important. Yes. How I looked at church and its place in my life shifted. Oh. I started to look more at churches for, for what I believe it should be an educational institution center for spirituality, period. For us, the way we grew up, if I wanted to have fun, I went to church. My friends were at church. Dance practice was happening Saturday. Drama was happening on Saturday. You're there for service on Sunday and uh, e- uh, Sunday morning and evening. They usually have practice in between. We were at church like four out of seven days a week, and it was normal, and it was life. Um, and so coming into a belief, which, and, and I'm going to say, like, not all of it was bad, um, because I do believe a lot of it did keep me. Because when I do think about, like, what it could have been like, how I could have been, that could have also been very, very scary. So at the same time, even though the naivety kind of hurt me, but at the same time, it kept me at, it was a weird thing. It was like, it was dual. I think I was like, I need to help this girl out or she's just going to be completely just a mess. So for me, it was that adjustment of church's place in my life that it's not the end all be all. For some people, they may not agree with this and that's okay. I don't believe your church att- uh, attendance is going to make you a better Christian or not. Mm-hmm. Um, do I believe that you don't forsake the uh, assembly? Absolutely. Do I believe in community? A thousand percent. But I do. I know a lot of people who they go to church faithfully and 
they're not they're not they're not that nice and good of a person. So I've been able to kind of see it on both sides. And it was a challenge to me. What does my relationship look like with God, even outside of church? And how can this make me better so that I can be a healthy um, part of the body? So it was a journey and a one that I'm still going on to see what does that look like for me? And then also I realized my change, my, my needs changed. The needs okay. that I had as a teenager, as a preteen, as a teen, it shifted when I got to my 20s and got to my mid-20s. And so I think that that's another whole conversation, too. I don't know if you want to get into that, but I think it also had to do with what my needs were and shifting into being a young adult. And I like that because someone did say that this uh, growing up as a youth and young adult is different from growing up as a full adult Christian. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we... I think what and I will say this again, I'm not blaming nobody, but I think, like you said, the responsibility, our person, the responsibility of the church is for Christian education. It's to guide you in the right path where at the end of the day, you are still going to choose your path. I don't care what they say. Mm -hmm. You will have the opportunity to choose. And when you, we are hoping that when you do choose, you're going to choose the right way. So when I am not, when I am sheltered from all the things, the realities of life, and when I do have, when I, I would say opportunity for the realities of life to slap me in the face, <laughs> what, the only thing I fall back on is what I learned when I was a child. That's and it. what I learned when I was a teenager, and then you realize what you learn, it's really not as effective as what is happening right now. So I say that in reference to when you, like, like you said, as a teenager, your needs were different as a then that's not even, I'm not even going to go, I'm going to go all over the place now because you, as a teenager, then as a young adult, you're a female, you're a black female, your needs are different. Like it's totally different. So how are you able to combat that issue and put all of them in one basket so that you can be a full human of who you are right now? That's a good question. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you named all of those things and I'm going to add another layer to that. Your mm -hmm. first generation in this country. Oh, oh, so you are trying. So you and your parent are trying to figure certain things out at the same time. And like, they are Christians too. Don't forget that part. And they are Christians. Yeah, a whole different ballgame. Like I remember, like filling out applications for college, I was so stressed out. FAFSA made no sense to me. Like I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with my life, but I still feel like there was no real direction. Um, and it's so crazy because I remember. I think it was as Pastor Peabody. I think it was like fifteen or sixteen. He was like. I see you having a salon. I see you being in the beauty industry. I heard it. It went through one ear and out the other. But I had this whole idea what I was going to be a forensic psychologist and understand, that. <laughs> and understand why people kill people. Like, you know, I had a whole thing. And at the same time, I felt like the Lord was calling me to Cambodia. Like I just was all over the place, you know, and it just was it was difficult because also what people don't talk about is that rude awakening of being when people see you, an African-American female, United States of America, that was a whole like shebang. So for me, what helped me was, okay, well, well God has to have this because I don't have it. God's going to have to have this because I don't have it. But I think a lot of times I was idle and thinking he was going to move and do things. And when certain things fell apart, I was like, well, what happened? And it wasn't until maybe, I kid you not, like maybe two years ago, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm not trying to control you, Tasha. 
I'm not, I'm not making decisions for you. Like, cause I had this thing where, well, God wants, wants to happen. It's going to happen eventually in your life, period. Whether, whatever you do X, Y, and Z. And you said something very powerful about choices. And one of the lessons that I had to learn was what is the perfect will of God? What is the permissible? And what is, you know, the acceptable? I had to learn those things and realize how my choices played a part. And it's so funny because I was so, I'm not going to lie. I was so ministry uh, focused and I was so concerned with like, am I doing the thing that God wants me to do? Is it going to turn out this way that other things kind of fell by the wayside? So it's like, yeah, like you, you know, you, you go to school, you go to work, you do whatever, but there was just so much conflict on the inside of me that eventually it worked itself out. Um, but it wasn't for without learning the lesson and what you were talking about choices and will and just coming down to the realization that everything that I need, everything that I want, God puts certain things and he puts certain desires in me anyways from the jump. And so if my focus is, OK, God, what is your will? Um, what is the, your best route for me? That's what I pray these days. God, what is your best route for me? Because I can have so many ideas <laughs> and do so many things my own way. But for me, it's like I don't have time to go around a mountain over and over again, especially because I felt like I wasted a lot of time between like my late uh, teens and early 20s. And so I like how you say that, because I think the I think the opportunity of being exposed to professional Christians is very important. Yes. I think it's extremely important that youth and young adults are exposed to accountants and doctors and lawyers and engineers and people who are professionals, professional Christians who are killing it out there, who are actors and actresses and makeup artists and all this so you can see, oh, oh, I can still serve God and I can still be give God my 100 in what I do. Because I think in our mind, and I might be speaking for myself, is that ministry. And so you just think that, okay, I'm going to be full-time, full-time pastor. And I remember I would say this up to today. I did not realize what <laughs> Pastor Billy Bima said to me when he said, you are going to reach the nations until after my first season of my podcast. When I realized that there have been, there are over 10,000 people that watch this little thing every week. And I was like, this is what he was talking about. Yeah. But in my head, I thought he said I was supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> because that's the only way we were exposed to reaching yeah. the nations. There are doctors who reach the nations. They're going to, they do different. There are so many things that people do. There are accountants who do taxes and they see tens of thousands of people and they reach the nations as well. But I think it's because we were not really exposed to professional Christians. And in 2021, I just love to see these young pastors and these young, I, just, I love to see these young female pastors in their, in, in their skinny jeans and the stilettos and just yes. with the weave and the makeup. And just like, what is that up? And you, and, and sorry, but we, the first instinct is, she a pastor? And it's not like in a positive way, it's a negative way. So you have moved, you have moved into your, I can say you were in your place, um, makeup, all that stuff. How were you able to turn that out in a sense of, even though I'm doing this, I'm still doing it for God? Um, like I said from before, God had to help me out. Uh -huh. So <laughs> that consistent word of, you know, uh, being in the beauty industry, because I'll be very honest, I fought it. And the reason why I fought it is for exactly what you just said. 
I did not see other people really doing it. There was this negative connotation. And even from before, it was like, you can't really be a true, authentic believer and be financially well off. Like it was kind of almost like, oh, you you a Christian, but not like, you know, you got a love of money. You know, you need to deal with that root of evil, that the whole thing. Um, and I think maybe it could be because of social media, because of technology, we we are able to see more on our phones. Our computer is coming faster to us. Where nowadays we have Sarah Jakes, we have Heather Lindsay's, we have Kamara Unique, we yeah. have all these different women from different parts of the world and men as well. Like you say, wearing their skinny jeans and yeah. the building down. And also, a lot of them are in lay ministry, so they are entrepreneurs. They have other things outside of just doing ministry. I think. Um, because I didn't have that, I didn't think it was possible, but the desire to do it was in me. And so it was wrestling with that because I was determined to do this forensic psychology thing until mm. I got to that second semester and I was like, oh my God, I hate this. Like, I hate everything about it. I think I just like, I think the problem was I just liked law and order. I think that was, the, I think that was what the issue was. I was like, no, I think you just like the show. You don't want to do this with your life. But also, yeah. I such a heart where it's like I wanted to help people. So that that consistent word would come up and I would meet other people. And and honestly, it's it's um, I, it's my passion. It's something that I can do without thinking. I love everything about it. And I noticed that my career in a, many times is also my sphere of influence when it comes to ministry. Because hair is a very intimate thing. Beauty is a very, if I'm going to be in your face and your hair, we gonna, it's we're going to have to have some kind of rapport. And I've noticed that God has opened many doors for me um, when it came to that to allow me to use my gifts. And honestly, I probably use my gifts more. I work than any other place. Like that is my immediate sphere of influence. And I never I never even thought that I never even thought that that was a possibility. So just that consistent word will keep coming up, even while I'll forget about it or try to do something else. Like I stepped away from beauty at one point. I did nine to five was miserable. Um, like I just, I tried different things, but it's like, I kept, I kept coming back to this until it's just kind of like, this is who I am. I'm like, God, let me do the best with what you, you've given me. I'm grateful for social media and how much it has exploded in just the last 10 years, because I'm seeing so many women, especially women that I admire, look up to mentor, all that, uh, mentor me, all that stuff, you know, their ministry and they're doing, they have a salon. You know, yes. they're on Sunday, then they're, you know, they got 10 people waiting for them on Tuesday. And it was like, wow, I, I can I can do all of this. I don't have to just choose one. I felt like constantly that it was a problem. It was like, you just have to choose one. And it's like, why do I have to choose? I can do everything that God has put in me and more. I don't. And I think resting in this, I don't have to make sense to nobody but myself and Jesus. I'll give you a clap for that, because I think someone said they are an ordained accountant. But I tell you, that is where I think for me, when I got to the place and I realized that you don't need to please nobody. Yeah. Like nobody. And what and for me, it wasn't like not even nobody, because of my son is my pride and joy. He's like my everything, he's my life. And I got that revelation and said, you don't even need to please him. You need to do right by God, and that's it. Your relationship, your Christianity, everything about your religion, and your, everything is between you and God. And so you don't need to answer to nobody. Yeah. I mean, and for me, it was just for me, it was a different light of what Christianity was about because I felt it's like yes, we, we enjoy ourselves, we had a great time in church, we were there twenty four seven, but there is still, there was still a level of fear 
I might—I don't know how to say it, but there was a level. I don't think it was fear, but it was a level of intimidation. It was a level of, you know, I need to do this so I can be right by this person. I need to be do this so I can it's be right. It's people pleasing. Yes, it was people pleasing. That's what it was, and I realized that it came time like when I had nothing to give. I was empty, zero. And so I want to ask you, as a young vibrant christian lady <laughs> how are you handling this thing you are so beautiful okay. you ain't married yet you ain't got no kids what's going on with you yeah how are you handling that um i make conscious decisions to limit certain conversations with certain people um because i think i, I think i mentioned this before but i'll go ahead and share this story i constantly have because i'm 30 now right so it's just kind of like, so what's going on? And I'm constantly like, oh, you're late, you're late, you're late. And it's just kind of like, okay, sure. Until I finally got to a place whose timeline am I fighting? Mm. Am I fighting my timeline or am I fighting your expectation? Because I can guarantee you, <laughs> I know this without a shadow of a doubt. If I was in certain situations or scenarios, it either wouldn't have last or would be a very challenging time. For the simple fact, I have a good idea of what was going on with me 20s. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a mess. It was a bit of a mess. I don't think that I would have been able to um, be aware of the fullness of what God wants for me because I found myself at times willing, especially in situations and in, in relationships that presented itself, I found myself going, I'm willing to put my stuff aside, my calling, my everything, uh, for, for this to work out, for the ultimate goal of marriage. And I got to a place where I was like, you have to stop idolizing marriage. But I also realized culture has a huge piece to do with a lot of the things that people say, right? And let's just be real. Uh, our background, I am not West African, but I, I grew up around many West Africans. Where are you Liberian? For whatever reason, I keep running into them. I don't know why. But or, you know, a lot of people from the, the uh, Caribbean, because those are my roots. And so sometimes for that marriage is important. Family is important. I get it. But I think also, too, I made peace with the fact my path hasn't been normal anyways. And mm -hmm. so why would I expect it to be normal? And then also sometimes let God work on people. We all don't have to have this path of meet somebody at 21, senior year in college. Y'all get married within two years, have a child within two years. If that's what God has for you, that's great. But can we have a conversation with the possibility that maybe he wants to do something a little bit different? And I'm going to be very clear with you. Just because somebody's not married doesn't mean they haven't been engaged before. Doesn't mean they wasn't about to pull the trigger. You don't know what the backstory is. So I think, um, one, that level of a sensitivity, because I know what it feels to be on the receiving end of it. It's also good that it happens because it helps me be sensitive with other people. Don't mm -hmm. ask things like, hey, when y'all going to have a baby? And you don't know that this couple has been fighting in years. Or you get what I'm saying? Or maybe somebody is sick. Or, you don't know. So leave those things alone. So is it difficult? Absolutely. But my favorite word in the world, boundaries. I, I, like mm. I don't have conversations with people if I really don't want your opinion. And I found that as of recently, I really don't. I'm aware. I know what the enemy tries to whisper to me. I know the realities of things on the ground, but I also realize I know my story. I know my path. And I know that God has good for me and it's never to be like to harm me or to shame me or to do anything. So honestly, it's a place either we're going to believe God or we're not. And I'm going to say this marriage relationships. And I'm not just saying this because I'm single. It's not the end all be all. 
There are a lot of couples who are married and miserable. There are a lot of people in committed relationships who are like, if I, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z before I made this commitment. Because, you know, as a father, your children, I mean, they take precedent. Like, it's, it is a priority. Mm -hmm. Even when it comes to, you know, I can decide I don't want this job no more. I can do something different and I don't have to answer to nobody. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to stick out situations you don't like or scenarios because of kids, because of marriage. And so I think, honestly, it just comes down to, you know, that sensitivity, recognizing the source, understanding that culture has a part to play in it and just dismissing it and moving on. And so you talk about that. So I really want us to look at just certain, you know, certain things that people consider as, you know, it's like the church hurt me. Um, the church did this to me, for example, you know, like you're talking about that. I think there are conversations or things that people say in church that they don't realize. It's like, I'm sorry, but I think it's like when you see a couple together for five years or they're together for maybe five or six years, and you're like, when you guys going to have kids? Or you see a young lady walking around and you say, you know, um, why are you not married? But I want to ask you, and if anybody who wants to chime in, they can just send in the messages. Is it okay? For somebody, for a lady to be in church and be a Christian and don't want to get married, is that, it's, it's like, because I feel as that once you, when you are in church, it's like, it's not okay. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be in here. You're supposed to find a Christian husband and have all these kids. <laughs> like, is it okay? Is it okay for a couple to be as vibrant as they are in church and look at everybody and say, you know what? We don't want to have kids and we are not ready to have kids. Is that okay? And I just want to hear your perspective. You know, my perspective has changed over the years. I used to be like, oh, you don't want to get married. Oh, you don't want to have kids. Like, I'd be like, oh my God, that's horrible. Um, until I learned something. I think that, pe again, going back to considering the source about why people are saying things um, and the decisions that they make for themselves. Paul says in the New Testament, if you can stay single and just work for the law, live for the law, go ahead and do it. But listen, if you burden, marry. Paul <laughs> gives us practical advice. Practical. Paul, I appreciate you. Yes. He knew what he was talking about. Because when you're single, you can go ahead and like focus on the things of God and give your all. But be honest and real with yourselves about you know what your issues are. When it comes to, so I hope that gives my answer. If that is mm -hmm. your decision, and I know some people like that, then that is their decision. There are some women who maybe they lost their spouse when they were young um, and they're like, they just don't want to marry anymore and they just want to focus. Like there's so many different scenarios. Now, when it comes to people wanting to have children and couples, this is my thought on it. Considering and hearing what is behind what they're saying. Sometimes it's fear motivated. You don't know how people grew up. You don't know what trauma they're carrying. Just because we know how to look good and smell good on Sunday morning, you don't know people's lives Monday through Sunday morning. You don't know their lives. Um, and I think that it's very refreshing if you know that you don't want to be a parent. Don't be a parent. Yeah. Because I know some people who they have kids, but in their heart of hearts, they don't really want to be a parent. And kids feel that. And guess what? You have a whole new generation with a whole brand oh, new it can, it can sense everything. Simply because... People are not having real conversations within themselves. But I think the real conversation is considering the source of why they're saying what they're saying. Because I think that that's like, that's huge. Like a good example would be like um, Janine Mai for the real. For years, we heard her say she didn't want to have kids, even though she was married, blah, blah, blah. She hit 40. She done found her a fine black man. She loving Jesus and she want kids. Suddenly, 
because sometimes you go through therapy, you live life, things happen, things change. And now that's something that she wants. But for years, people bashed her. And even for me, I didn't understand. I'm like, oh, you'd be a great mom, blah, 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 from my perspective, from an audience perspective. But when you when she opens up more about the relationship with her mother and how she grew up and her and her mother not speaking for seven years and like the family breakdown, it makes sense why she was saying some of the things. But you notice that sometimes it's healing took place and yeah. sometimes maybe changing of partners, perspective changes. So I think instead of jumping uh, on the bandwagon and bashing people, take the time to consider the source of as to why people are saying what they're saying and let and stop playing the Holy Spirit. I think what happens is sometimes we feel like we need to be the Holy Spirit and people's like, that's not my business. That's not my ministry. Pray for people if you don't feel like you're in agreement with them. And I just think sometimes just be quiet. I think sometimes that's the best thing you can do, especially in church. And somebody said, thank God for a mature spiritual husband. It's not about a human doing. It's about a human being. Because she said she didn't want to have kids. But she thanked God for her mature spiritual husband. So I think that's. Those are conversations, and why, why I brought that up is like I think those are conversations that should be had because I think we've seen divorce in the church based on certain things. They get married, and one person be like, I don't want to have kids, or I don't want to work, or I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do this. And I'd be like, Are you kidding me? Like, how do you guys get into this thing? And you guys didn't have a conversation and to get and understand what was going on in this whole thing here. And now you guys, you know, it's like, it's a whole mess because we didn't have the conversation because we're a church. We don't talk about that stuff. Um, you know, you just come on Sunday or happy jelly and just go. But hey, you went to, you live in a country in Africa. <laughs> yeah. you you huh? live in Ghana. So tell us about your experience in Ghana when you met when, when they acquired by you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was hot. <laughs> you thought very hot. They're very hot. <laughs> you see how they're all black like that. They ask, they ask <laughs> But how was it? How was the experience? You know, leaving from here. Um, I, it was that your first time outside of America? No, that was my second time. Second time. Okay. But also to live. That was your first time to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How was that? Uh I learned a lot. It was definitely a culture shock for a lot of different things. But the one thing that I found out about myself that I wasn't sure of before, I can find myself anywhere and I'm going to be okay and I'm going to make it. Oh, there you go. One of the things that I'm grateful for how I grew up, because I was exposed to a lot of West Africans when I grew up, I knew and understand culture. I knew and understand certain things. So I knew how to maneuver in certain circles and be understanding of it. And I felt like you it's amazing. You have these life experiences and you just don't know how they will help your present or whatever your present is at that time. And it helped me so much in certain scenarios and circles. And so thank God, you know, I had already been exposed to certain things. Obviously, um, there were culture shocks for sure, you know, in any place that you would live in. But um, it was a it was a short window. It was like two years. And when it was time to come back. It was probably coming back. Africa, you say it was two years? That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> long time. <Not> singing. <laughs> but, you know, I think, um, I, so what was your, how did you deal with 
um, life in America with all these expectations of life in America. I know you say, you know, you, you learn how to go with the punch, but what was shocking for you when you got there and realized that, oops, there are certain things that's not going to be the same. Um, I felt like everything that I had already had issues with or wasn't sure of in America, it was magnified times 10. Okay. You know how we were saying, like, in terms of boundaries, how do you do with some people the same? Yeah, they, but they don't. Blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. No, they don't. They're touchy. They won't be touching you. No filter at no. all. Some of the things would be like, oh, my God. You know, just no filter when it came to certain things. And it's like, you ain't got no cool from out here. Like, I, I was not used to that. Um, and it made me, it definitely made me long for America a little bit more. Cause one thing I'm gonna say about uh, Americans, we have a sophisticated type of shade. It's the kind of shade, like she shade, like you got to think about it. Somebody shade. So it's, it's just blunt and direct. And it's like, if you're not ready for it and you know, so hard, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. Um, I'm like, ah, why are you so fat like that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so thick. You're right. You're ready to put on some low pants. They're like, y'all do fats. Why are you fat like that? <laughs> what so are you? So even something like that, it just would be like a common greeting would be like, are you pregnant? Like out the gate. And I'll be like, and I'll be like, is it? And I would have to, I asked somebody, I was like, is it as I, I was, because when I had moved, I lost like 15 pounds and like, like I got small and I'm already short and small. So imagine 50, you know, so. I was like, am I gaining? Like, it, it kind of almost made me self-conscious. And somebody explained it to me, oh, you know, it's a social economical thing. It's like, yeah. there, blah, blah, blah. But for me, being extremely Americanized, like, you don't come up to somebody. Like, that's a greet. Like, things like that was really shocking. <laughs> and I don't miss it. I don't. I'm not interested. But um, if you had any encounter with uh, spirituality or Christianity within Ghana, how was that? How was it? compared to what you've experienced in America? And that's if you had any. Um, I will say this. Um, they have more time on their hands, in my opinion, for spirituality. In a sense where, and uninterrupted. America, we're very go, 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 go. We got to hustle. We got Not to say that they don't have a sense of hustle, um, but you know, it's not unheard of if somebody's like, I'm going to the prayer mountains for seven days to hear from God. Like, it's not a shock. You know what I mean? Like, that's normal. Like, it's not everyday life. And I can understand and appreciate the priority that they would, would make for that. Um, not to say that, you know, we didn't have that, like, but not maybe not on, not in that way and on that level. But it also could have just been the circle that I was dealing with as well. Because one thing I also learned, everybody don't do that as well. So yeah. it just was like so many, it just, it was just, like I said, everything that I thought or had been exposed to in childhood, teenage it was like magnified times 10. Wow. So before we leave from here, we want to know what's next for Miss Tasha and the confession of a Christian girl. <laughs> what's next? What's happening? What's what's about to slap us in the face? Oh, man. Oh, you know, I'm the kind of person like I just show up. I don't talk before I do it. I make sure things are solidified before yeah. I do it. But I would say this. I think um, I have finally, not finally, I'm, I'm more clear with who I am in God and who I am in terms of the body. It took me a while to kind of, like I said, find my voice again and figure out what I wanted to do. And I'm quite clear that, you know, because we're a body, there are different departments. I belong in the trauma unit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to the hospital and you've been to the trauma unit, it's a different type of environment. Um, it, it's not time for uh, games. Um, and I'm quite clear now, some of my experiences and some of the things that I've had to have gone through, um, even though it wasn't the best, it helped me to be able to be a lot more sensitive 
to why you're even doing what your podcast is and it's having these taboo conversations or touching certain scenarios or issues that we're we're starting to get comfortable about in the house of God, but we're still kind of tiptoeing around. And I'm like, okay, my life makes so much more sense now that I've just like it, it accepted that about myself. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you're always like real, real serious. I don't know if you're angry all the time. And I'm like, yeah, the things that are going in my in my mind, in my head, and how God speaks to me, I finally just come to a place where I'm just like, I'm resting in who He's called me to be. And so right now, my focus is really focusing on inner healing ministry. And we're going on a journey to see what that looks like. Before, you know, when we're growing up, I understood the power of salvation. I felt like the next environment that I was in, it taught me the power of deliverance. This next chapter is all about inner healing. There are certain things that don't leave people's life by brick, come out, fired. Like there's certain things that you have to do the work. You, you have to, it takes time and you have to work with uh, the Holy Spirit for certain things to just fall off your life. And those things take time and not everybody has patience for it. Um, but because God has been able to walk me through certain things and be patient with me, how can I dare not return that and pay that forward? And so I'm honored that even while he's yet healing me, he's allowed me to also help other people down that path. So definitely Confessions of a Christian Girl is definitely my avenue for that. I'm really excited uh, for some of the stuff I have coming up. I've been doing like lots of podcast shows as of lately, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what he does next. I'm I'm still tinkering for season three. I like to do something different for every season. It seems like, but we'll see. Yeah. What next. And I think that's amazing. I think you know. I think you are doing a good job. But before you leave, I have a question for you. Sure. I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. Um, there was conversation going around, and there was this young lady who's married. I believe she has two or three kids and she was trying first. the conversation started with someone who's been divorced and she was stating that she feels that why a lot of women are single is because women are too career driven and they don't want to, you know, submit and do all this stuff. And this other lady created an entire paragraph and she says she and her husband have this conversation and she believes that females need to be teamed. And when I say teamed, I mean, I'm using exact or exact words. Females need to be teamed by the husbands, teamed, they should have been teamed by their fathers, teamed by the church. So by the time they come to the husband where he teamed her, she can be the perfect wife. You as a black woman, a professional black woman, how did that even come across to you right now after I said that? Coming from a man, actually. Massage of Christianity is killing women in the body oh. of Christ. I don't know why you hit me with this question when we about to end, because we can get started with this. I think it's a combination of different things. Um, again, like I always say, consider the source, the people, what's going on. I'm going to break it down this way. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Somebody said, Jehovah, I'm going to get a nut today, Satan. <laughs> right. I think the thing is this. Choose the partner. Choose your role. One thing that I've learned about marriage, one thing I've learned about family dynamics is this. It really is dependent on the people and what works for that family unit. I know some people where they believe in that. They believe the woman should be tamed and they choose partners based on that. And maybe that works for them. That's fine. Um, but I think it really comes down to um, your role and the role that you want to play and what works best for you. I'm uncomfortable with the word tamed. Um, 
Uh, for a long time, the word submission got on my nerves until I did my own study to really understand what submission is. And I think a lot of time people, especially in the body of Christ, we use the word submission. And in the past, in a lot of different places, that word is used to really oppress women. But if you want to understand what it means, you also need to take into consideration when Paul was talking, hey, wives, you need to submit to your husband, what he was talking about. In that time and age, when we think about New Testament, we got to think about Middle East. We got to think about Asia. We got to think about certain parts of the world that in many ways still operate that way. People were using um, the churches, especially the women, they were using their outlet in church as a way to find their voices. And so if you could prophesy, you was going to make sure you were probably going to give a prophesy that would kind of jab your husband across the room. I can imagine that you're using, you know, the spirit of God moving in this freedom in Christ to work out some of the in-home issues. And Paul, in terms of maintaining order in the house of God, used that word uh, submission. But I think the best way you can break it down in layman terms for today is, is just to come into partnership and agreement with what your partner's mission for their life is. And like you said, a lot of people are not having conversations before they say, I do, or having superficial conversations, especially I feel like you should have these conversations even way before premarital counseling. That's my opinion. And just be honest about what your expectations are. And like I said, I want to be fair because I am very well aware and I, I know of a few where that type of mindset, that whole taming and, you know, their father had to do this and control them, blah, blah, blah. That may or may not work for those type of people. And I also know some other people where they would be hitting the roof like I am on the inside of me just by the words of, of tame. God's not trying to tame us. And if husbands should love their wives as Christ loves the church, if God's not trying to tame me, so why should I be with somebody who's trying to tame me? You understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. Because I know when I read it, I had to read it a full times. <laughs> I thought I, I said, maybe I messed up my prescription or something. My glasses is not working. Like I literally read it through a full times. And I was like, yeah. and all I could say was, teamed like i thought about animals i'm like you only team animals you don't team a human being so i think and i say that because this is coming from prominent christians this aren't regular people who don't know god and who don't know the bible this is what people are learning in church this is what this woman is having conversations with her husband and apparently that's what what they're going to do to their daughter because that's their knowledge of what a Christian wife is supposed to be like. And yeah. so you aren't promoting a professional Christian woman. You aren't promoting a, a female who's supposed to be. I think women, sh- I think if a woman wants it all, she should get it all. Yeah. If she wants to be an entrepreneur and she wants to be a medical doctor and she wants to do full time, whatever she wants to do, she sh- if she's able to achieve it, she can get it all. So if you are trying to say that a woman should be tamed and her place should be in the house and oh yeah, and she she she's not supposed to be uh, in front of a husband, she's supposed to be behind her husband. And it's like a whole different conversation for another day. But I sparked that in because I just want to let you know that you're gonna be back and we're gonna have another I conversation. I can't wait to talk about it. Have that conversation <laughs> because we need to have that conversation. But girl, before you leave. If there's a young girl out there who's watching this podcast or who will watch this podcast and she's been conflicted about being in the beauty industry and also trying to serve God and live for God, what can you say to her? Um, We serve a God who is multifaceted. He was a creator. He's our protector. He's our father. And if we're creating his image, then we also have that ability to do and to be many things. Um, I struggled, and I said this from before, so long with having just to choose one thing until I got to a place where I don't have to choose. If I wake up and decide I want to be an astronaut, I'm going to be an astronaut to the glory of God. It's whatever I decide to do. As long as I'm fulfilling what the call of God is on my life, 
then what was the issue? What's the problem? I think that there's a lot more freedom than we even realize we have in God. And I pray that, you know, you don't figure that out or see that out too late. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an industry with good money. You can live a good life. You know, God can use you in the marketplace. Marketplace ministry is something that we are having more and more conversations about. It's not a new concept. We saw marketplace in the New Testament. We just didn't know what to call it. You had women like Joanna. You had women like uh, Susanna in the Bible. You had Mary in the Bible. These were women that had financial means and supported the ministry of Jesus. So in order for them to support and have money, they had to go to work, right? Mm-hmm. And so it so the examples and God's word is there and we have so many different women out there now who are doing it and moving at a fast pace and are very good at what they do. I think what it comes down to is just ask God, God help me to do the thing that I am anointed, called and gifted to do and not just pray it but make decisions working towards it because decisions is the catalyst to destiny. Somebody wants to hug you. <laughs> She said, girl, can I hug you? But hey, um, it's been great. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. But can you tell the people who are watching, how can they follow you? How can they find you? Awesome. You can follow me. I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, My Confessions of a Christian Girl Season 2. And a Season 1 is still up. It's on Spotify. It's on um, Apple Podcasts. It's anywhere where you can find a podcast. Just Google it. Confessions of a Christian Girl to pop right up. Um, like I said, social media, Instagram, Facebook. I'm more on Instagram more than on, on everything else. I just hopped back on on Twitter because I forgot how fun Twitter was. I can just drop word bombs and just leave. So I've been very rude on Twitter, um, but I, I enjoy it. So anywhere you can Google me, that's where I am. And if somebody wanted for you to come and speak that at their event, can they send you an email? Like what can they do? Absolutely. You can email me at info.coacg at gmail.com. And more than likely, I will respond right away and let's get it done. Okay. Well, this was the conversation. I've spoken at the Pinonet and we had the church conversation, people. I told you, it's about the church. Tasha, thank you so much. It's been great. Um, And you just, you know, just be you. And I think being you has been a blessing. And you have an amazing, amazing evening. Okay, guys, like I told you, this was the conversation. It was outspoken. It was opinionated. I'm asking you guys, if you haven't had the opportunity to experience confession of a Christian girl, you need to check it out because this is what happens. Again, this was the conversation. It was outspoken. It was opinionated. And that was Tasha. So uh, confession of a Christian girl. You guys have a great Thursday and I will see you next week.